0: what they had experienced as well. They recognized Jesus as being the Savior of the world. Keep in mind, contextually, where we are in John chapter 4, Jesus has yet to die, be buried and resurrected as we know Him to later be. And we know that, that salvation is hinged upon His death, burial, and resurrection. However, they recognized Jesus in the here and now. As far as they were concerned, they recognized Him as the Savior of the world. We might ask the question, who did Jesus save? Who did Jesus Saved. I want to look at Ephesians chapter five. Ephesians chapter five, and beginning with verse twenty-two. And usually, when we read this passage, we read it in the context of marriage. We think uh, of this from what Paul is describing marriage to be like. But there's also another side of this. Not only are we talking about marriage, but we're also talking about the church. And Paul is comparing marriage. To the church. The church is the bride of Christ. As Christ is the head of the church, so the husband is the head of the home. And wives are to be in submission to their husbands, as the church is in submission to Christ. That is true. But the husbands are also told to love their wives as Christ loved the church. And so we have an example of Going back and forth between the church and the bride and Christ and the husband. But in Ephesians chapter 5, beginning with verse 22, we read this. Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, as also Christ is the head of the church. And he is the Savior of the body. Therefore, just as the church is subject to Christ, so let the wives be to their own husbands in everything. Verse 25, Husbands, love your wives, just as Christ also loved the church and gave Himself for her, that He might sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of water by the word, that He might present her to Himself, a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she should be holy and without blemish. So husbands ought to love their, their own wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. I want you to notice some key phrases in regard to Christ and the church. He is the Savior of the body. Verse 23, He is the Savior of the body. Therefore, as the church is subject to Christ, so that wives be to their own husbands. In verse 25, As Christ also loved the church and gave Himself for her, that He might sanctify... And cleanse her with the washing of water by the word. Here we find out how he saves the church. He gave himself for her. He gave his own life for the body. For the church. For his bride. Why? That he might sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of water. By the word. The church in obedience to the commands given in Scripture can be saved because Christ gave Himself for her. Who does Jesus save? Those who are members of the church. Those who have become members of the church because they were obedient to the gospel plan of salvation. In giving the Great Commission in Mark 16, and verse 16, Jesus says, He who believes and is baptized will be saved. Belief followed by obedience, repentance, confession of faith in Christ, baptism for the remission of sins. He who believes and is baptized will be saved. But he who does not believe, on the contrary, will be condemned. He is my Savior. He gave himself for me. He died for me. He shed his blood for me. So that I might be sanctified and cleansed from my sins when I believe and when I obey to the point of baptism those sins are taken away those sins are forgiven and I become a saved individual now we do have to remember that faithfulness is key to our salvation just because we've obeyed the gospel doesn't mean that that we are now exempt from anything else we can do whatever we want we also need to remain faithful He is my Savior. And that is the reason that I preach to you today. Because Jesus is my Savior. In 1 Timothy chapter 4, verses 6 through 11. 1 Timothy chapter 4, verses 6 through 11. If you instruct the brethren in these things, you will be a good minister of Jesus Christ. Nourished in the words of faith and of the good doctrine, which you have carefully followed. And remember that Paul is writing to Timothy as an encouragement to a young man, a young preacher. And he is telling him what he needs to do to be a good minister of Christ. Nourished in the words of faith and of the good doctrine which you have carefully followed. Verse 7 of 1 Timothy 4, But reject profane and old wives' fables, and exercise yourself toward godliness. For bodily exercise profits a little, but godliness is profitable for all things, having promise of the life that now is and of that which is to come. We recognize the importance of physical exercise to our physical strength. Whenever we exercise, we build up our strength in whatever we are exercising. And that helps us to sustain our bodies. It helps us to continue to fight off infections and diseases and things of that nature. Exercise is is helpful in that area. But here Paul says that bodily exercise profits a little, but godliness is profitable for all things. Exercise is very important, but exercise in godliness is of greater importance. And he is he's sharing that with Timothy to exercise himself not just physically but mentally and spiritually grow in godliness. Verse 9, this is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptance, for to this end we both labor and suffer reproach because we trust in the living God who is the Savior of all men, especially of those who believe. These things command and teach. Timothy, wanting to be a good minister, would follow the words of Paul. For to this end we both labor and suffer. There were much things that were suffered by those who preached the gospel in the first century. Paul himself, Had been a persecutor of the church. They suffered. Why did they suffer? Why did they go to such great lengths to share the gospel with the world? Because we trust in the living God. Who is the Savior of all men. Especially of those who believe. We preach because we want men and women to be saved. We see a world that is in spiritual darkness. A world that is filled with evil and hatred. We see a world that is lost. Lost in sin. They've not been saved from their sins. Because either they do not know Christ. Or because they refuse Him. We see that world. And we want people to be saved. And so we share the gospel. Because we know that Jesus is our Savior. And we want Him to be their Savior too. But they must accept Him. They must believe. They must obey. So that they too can be saved. Jesus is my Savior. But beyond that, Jesus is my Redeemer. He is my Redeemer. Let's look for a moment at the word redemption. The word redemption is used in in different ways. Uh, It's used in the Old Testament. We think of redemption of slaves and property. The year of Jubilee. That's actually going to be something we discuss in the lesson Hopefully on Sunday nights. I got a little ahead on Sunday night lessons. So maybe whenever we are able to, to do that again, we'll study this year of Jubilee. Redemption is involved in that. We also remember the story of Boaz and Ruth. Remember that Ruth was redeemed by Boaz. That was something that was a part of the old law. It was something in regard to the old law. But it's not just an Old Testament concept either. We also have redemption in the New Testament. The the basic meaning of the word redemption is the action of saving or being saved from sin, error, or evil. Even from a worldly standpoint, The definition of redemption is related to the Bible. It's related to Scripture. It is a biblical concept. In that, we are saved from sin, error, or evil. Redemption comes through Christ. It is something that we know through Christ. He is my God. Redeemer. As we look at redemption in the New Testament, we read Zacharias' prophecy in Luke chapter 1, beginning with verse 68. This is in relation more so to John the Baptist, but but also to Christ. Luke chapter 1, verse 68, Blessed is the Lord God of Israel for he has visited and redeemed his people again this is looking more into the future and what Jesus would do even before his birth but he is again recognized as redeemer of his people in verse 69 he has and has raised up a horn of salvation a horn of salvation for us in the house of His servant David. Jesus was a descendant in the lineage of David. Verse 70, as He spoke by the mouth of His holy prophets who have been since the world began, that we should be saved from our enemies and from the hand of all who hate us to perform the mercy promised to our fathers and to remember his holy covenant. The oath which he swore to our father Abraham to grant us that we being delivered from the hand of our enemies might serve him without fear in holiness and righteousness before him all the days of our life. Verse 76 And you child, will be called the prophet of the highest. John, the baptizer, would be a prophet of Christ. He would go about preparing the way for Christ, preaching Christ to people, preparing them for His coming. You will be called the prophet of the highest, for you will go before the face of the Lord to prepare His ways, to give knowledge of salvation to His people by the remission of their sins through the tender mercy of our God with which the dayspring from on high has visited us to give light to those who sit in darkness and the shadow of death to guide our feet into the way of peace. John was going to come, and he was going to prepare the way for the coming Christ, the Messiah, the one who could redeem the world, one who could provide salvation from sins. In Galatians chapter three, verses 10 through 14, we read of the relation of the law and the curse. Galatians 3, Paul writes in verse 10, For as many as are of the works of the law are under the curse. For it is written, Cursed is everyone who does not continue in all things which are written in the book of the law to do them. But that no one is justified by the law in the sight of God is evident. For the just shall live by faith. The just shall live by faith. Yet the law is not of faith, but the man who does them shall live by them. Verse 13, Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, having become a curse for us. For it is written, cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree. He took the curse upon himself He took the punishment that we deserved. He died on the cross to redeem us. Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law. Verse 14, that the blessing of Abraham might come upon the Gentiles in Christ Jesus that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. Christ has redeemed us from the curse from which we should suffer. He has redeemed us. In Revelation 5, verses 8 through 10. Revelation 5, verses 8 through 10. Now, when he had taken the scroll, the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the Lamb, each having a harp and a gold, and golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. And they sang a new song. They sang a new song saying, You are worthy to take the scroll and to open its seals, for you were slain. For you were slain and have redeemed us to God by your blood. Out of every tribe and tongue and people and nation and have made us kings and priests to our God and we shall reign on the earth. We find here that we are redeemed by the blood of Christ. By the blood that he shed on that cross. When he died for for our sins, we are redeemed by his blood. What can wash away my sins? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. What can make me whole again? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. He is my Savior. He is my Redeemer. And He is my friend. He is my friend. John 15, verses 11 through 14. John 15, verses 11 through 14. These things I have spoken to you that my joy may remain in you and that your joy may be full. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this. Than to lay down one's life for his friends. And you are my friends if you do whatever I command you. Greater love has no one than this. Than to lay down one's life for His friends. Was Jesus referring directly to Himself? Or was He referring to the sacrifice of a friend for a friend? Probably at least a little bit of both. Jesus gave His life for us. And in dying for us on the cross in the way that he did, taking on the curse for us, taking on the punishment that we deserved, he showed himself to be our friend. My friend. And so we can sing songs such as, Jesus is all the world to me. He is my friend. What a friend we have in Jesus. All our sins and griefs to bear. He is my everything. He is my friend. Greater love has no one than this. Than to lay down one's life for his friends. Jesus could show us no, no greater love than what he showed us. In giving himself for us. Even in life Jesus made himself a friend of those who were reviled by the world, those who were rejected by the world. In Matthew 11, verse 19, the Son of Man came eating and drinking, and they say, Look, a glutton and a winebibber, a friend of tax collectors and sinners. But wisdom is justified by her children. Jesus was not ashamed to be the friend of those who were in sin. Because He could save them, because He could redeem them, because He could be their friend. In Matthew 9 and verse 12, just a couple chapters previous, when Jesus heard that, He said, Those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. He knew that those, the downtrodden of the world, those who were living in sin, those were the ones that needed Him the most. Not the self-righteous Pharisees. They rejected Him. But He was a friend of those who needed Him. And even when we were in our greatest need, He went to the cross for us. He died for us to save us, to redeem us unto God. (coughs) And certainly, He is our friend. There's a lot that I don't know about Jesus. There's a lot that I want to learn. There's a lot that I hope to learn in preparing lessons for this series. But these are some things that I know. I know of His relationship to me. How He relates to me. How He gave Himself for me. So that He is my Savior. My Redeemer. And my friend. I hope that He is these things to each of you. I hope that you've obeyed the gospel. I hope that you've done what is necessary so that you too might be saved. Again, we're told in Scripture what we need to do. Faith and confession of that faith. Repentance. A change of of heart, mind, and action. A change of life. And baptism for the remission. For the forgiveness of sins. And again, we must continue to remain faithful. If you've erred from the way, if you've never obeyed the gospel, if you need to come, if you're subject to the Lord's invitation, we want you to respond and we give you the opportunity to do so. As together we stand and as we sing.